Would you like me to repeat the question? The Incomparable Podcast, number 45, June 2011. We're back on the Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We have been doing some Flash podcasts where we talk about Doctor Who episodes as they've been airing both in the UK and in the US because it's a show that seems worth talking about. Now, we haven't done one for a few weeks. There was a two-part episode and then a mid-season finale. There were some delays in the US uh, compared to the UK. Anyway, so to wrap it all up, this first half season of Doctor Who, because it doesn't come back till the fall, we decided to do a full-fledged incomparable podcast about the first half of Series 6 of Doctor Who. Joining me tonight to discuss Doctor Who are Scott McNulty. Hi, Scott. Hello. Glenn Fleischman. Ahoy, hoy. Serenity Caldwell. Why, hello. Hello. Dan Morin. I'm trying to make my TARDIS noise. Hi. That was a bad TARDIS noise. I. It's hard. You ever tried? It's not easy. You need some phlegm. I don't have a parking brake to put on. And John Syracuse. Good evening, Jason. Good evening. So um, what I'd like to do to start off is to talk, before we talk about the this half season as a whole, um, or as a half, I don't know. <laughs> it's very strange what they're doing. I want to go back and talk about the two stories we haven't discussed on The Incomparable. The first of which is this two-part episode with the gangers uh, called The the Rebel Flesh and the Almost People, which aired uh, right before this mid-season finale called The Good Man Goes to War. Um, it, would anybody like to uh, to open the proceedings about this very peculiar this uh, story set in a monastery, but old monastery, but in the future, and they're pumping acid somewhere, and there are I'd duplicates. I'd just like to ask, and- why, why is it full of acid? Did I miss something? I went back and rewatched Why them. is it important that it's a monastery? And, yeah. Why did they write these episodes? Uh, I mean, other than to set up the finale. Up, I think well, that was pretty much it. I think, they I mean, acid. They wanted the closed-door mysteries. They wanted a very limited set of rooms they had to use. And monasteries are cool. They did look great. (laughs) I thought it looked fantastic. I I love the idea that it looked old but was supposed to be in the future. I think that was a very strange combination. It was weird because you couldn't quite tell where it was like in the setting because clearly it was in the future, our future, right? But they also make a comment about like, well, Earth's the only thing out there at some point. And so, you know, you can't tell like it's in the indefinite future. It's also in a very – I thought it had such a ring of water of Mars that I could almost not stand the first part. The second part I have different feelings about. But the first part, I'm like, this is water of Mars with slightly different monsters that are equally as creepy. And it's sort of like they're being body snatched but not quite. And, you know, it just – it felt like – the first part felt like a ridiculous retread with, you know, I don't know, very contrived bits and pieces. But the second I've, I've, I thought – uh, retrieved a lot of that dross. See, and I think uh, my my view is actually the opposite of that, which is I really, really liked the first episode because you know there are there are things in it that are really questionable, like why are they pumping acid and they <clears throat> sort of hand wave that it's like, well, there's acid. People need acid. You got to pump it. But uh, um, what I liked about it was that the gangers, you know, Doctor Who has this history of having these monsters that are that are maybe a little bit broad they want to take over the universe the galaxy what have you and in this episode what what 
what happens is that they are not – there's a dilemma because they're not monsters really. They're just duplicates. And the reason they're monstrous is because they're threatening your place in the universe, which is a very different kind of thing. And I really kind of thought that was cool. I thought that was a really interesting idea and an interesting dilemma to set the characters on. Now, I, I do think in the second episode it got kind of – weird and they created a monster where i think maybe there didn't need to be one except they felt they needed to have a like one of the gangers is super evil and grows a crazy monster head um i you know that that didn't that didn't make it for me but but the first episode i think set up a lot of those interesting uh, moral questions and then the 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 for me the second episode the, the best thing about it was that there were two doctors and all of the questions that that brought up yeah I mean, I have to say, in terms of the first episode, should we blow the spoiler horn? Are we assuming that it's all it's all spoilers from here on out? Uh, it's all spoilers, Spo- all the way okay. down, all the way down, spoilers, spoilers all, the way down. all the way down. Okay, I think the fir- the thing that really changes for me between the first part and the second part is that Jennifer, who is you know ganger Jennifer, uh, fig Jennifer, is one- the person that we kind of identify yeah. with in She's the first half. Yeah, where she's like, I can still remember my wellies. And like, she, she's really struggling with the fact that she has all of these memories and she doesn't know what to make of them. And she's the only one of the gangers who's even remotely receptive to the idea of, oh, well, these people are nice and I may be a duplicate, but I can still fit in. And then, like, she just kind of switches. She turns on a switch about. She goes off, she goes off the deep end. Yeah. She goes from, well, maybe these guys are good to, she sees one of the other gangers basically die, and she goes from, these guys could maybe be good to, no, all humans are evil. We must kill the humans, and I'm going to morph into a crazy. Yeah. Oh, it looked like something from James and the Giant. Peach, I kept waiting. Like- <laughs> it would have made more sense to me if that what they had said is, you know, the flesh itself is pissed off and it's going to take over her body and just wants to kill everybody. But instead it was just, yeah, she just has a change of character and decides to be a monster. And I felt totally undercut the whole idea of these other people, which is that they were really just people. Well, you know what I think is the interesting part about the flesh is that the flesh is genuinely... It's, you know, it's alive, but it's not thinking matter until we put consciousness into them. Because when you when you come to the later reveal that happens at the end of the two-parter, you realize, oh, well, there has been, you know, there's been a flesh body walking around for a while, but the but it has no, like, flesh consciousness. You know, the flesh, the flesh is really just an avatar until this freak accident. So it's... It gets struck by lightning, because in, as we know, yes. all know from, like, really, like, crazy 80s <laughs> movies, like, when stuff gets struck by lightning... Like anything can anything happen, can man. Happen. But you have to be in an old tower, though. That's when there's the... acid, lightning, and an old tower. If I learned anything from goes. Short Circuit, it's that lightning strikes bring sentience. They didn't have Back the crank to the take those tablets they were lying on. They could have cranked them up higher. That would have been better, too. That would have been better. I, you know what bugged me? I mean, I, I think I agree with Jason that the, the idea is really interesting. I feel like the execution did not do justice to it. Um, just in terms of, I don't know, it's something failed to crystallize for me. It's also, it was full of horrible plot holes. Like, it was full of horrible they had, plot holes. Even I noticed, and I don't usually notice plot holes, but I, even I caught them It here. was painful. The device that Jennifer puts her hand on, it says, non-human life form recognized. I'm like, so they can't get anything done. They know there's a problem with the flesh. Then she grabs Rory and says, stick your hand here, and it says, human life form recognized. I'm like, he's not an idiot. You know, like, the character sometimes is a little doltish, but he's not Homer Simpson. He would have gone now why did you have me do that you know like it just it was so against type he was just happy not to die the the thing that bothered me and this was 
this was the total random plot hole, but like a I wasn't first of all I wasn't clear whether or not there were like this is very strange, but there are two sonic screwdrivers or not because at one point one of the doctors gives his to someone else, but then they both have them. There are and multiple, then, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, the thing that really bothered me was I thought when he gave his away, like, oh, okay, so he doesn't have the screwdriver. And then there's a scene where they all get locked in a room. And God damn it, if we know there's one thing the screwdriver is good for, it's opening locked doors. <laughs> Why didn't they just use? Uh, you know that character thing that Jason was complaining about, where the, the character just changes from you know the sympathetic person to wanting to kill everybody. It's kind of a specific case of the same general problem with the flesh with with Doctor Who in general is that they don't feel any compelling need to explain stuff in any logical fashion, and uh-huh. that and that can be good and charming, but at a certain point, it's just super duper lazy. So right. you already made this point about, about the flesh. Like if you're going to do the sci-fi thing where it's like, you have made us and we are artificial, but are we not life? You know, that type of thing. Right. So the, the beginning of, of the rebel flesh, the flesh is basically a machine. Like they inhabit it. And when they're done inhabiting it, it's nothing. It's just this goop. Right. right. And then magically, like, because that's the world this flesh is in. It's like, we use this. It's a tool. These, these people, these workers are not having moral dilemmas, like in the darkest of night about, Oh, aren't we taking advantage of this flesh? It's a tool, you know. It's it's inanimate, non-living. Well, if it's living or not, but it's like a plant, you know. It's not it's not a consciousness. And then midway through this episode, they're confronted with the reality, like, oh, hey, guess what? Your entire consciousness is in there, and now these are living things. And now all of a sudden, that you know, it's not it's not as if you're dropped into a sci-fi world where there are sentient beings being used as slaves, and then you have to deal. You know, the the dilemma arises instantly for you know the lightning reason, whatever crazy reason you want to make up. And, and the same thing with, like, the, the, the characters changing motivations. Like, we, we don't really have to explain why. This is just what's happening, and just go with it, you know? They missed a really good opportunity, too, which is that they have the – I mean, the, the ood, there was a, there's a central ood hindbrain or whatever, forebrain or whatever, right? And, and the ood are all individual organisms with their own thoughts, but they all sort of share this colonial telepathic link. And I thought that was very clever, the whole ood mechanism. And so they had a chance here to say, let's do something different, and we'll say there actually is. This is a colonial organism. It's it, – like, every cell retains of memory and so the consciousness of people they've been using them as tools but it's actually overlaying and suppressing this consciousness that the lightning brought out and now that consciousness has come to the fore it's been individuated i mean there's like a there's there's a lot of clever ethical dilemmas you could raise here about cloning people and whatever that could be masked in the sci-fi veneer but instead it was like they have no consciousness they have consciousness they're not monsters they're just like us wait what's this other they have other memories oh their memories are part of this colonial thing but no they don't have memories and there's these dissolved versions of old flesh lying in the corner i'm like ah, they could have yeah, thrown yeah. them in the acid why yeah. didn't they throw the old <laughs> You've got acid right there are we supposed to feel bad about those and just kidding this one was actually a monster because I like so? you know yeah. Aren't they the pre-consciousness flesh? Isn't that just a mound of goop? You know, it, you can't really feel bad for the for the people. Those were the they, old skins, though. I thought they had. I thought she had faked those. That was my that was my reading on that. But it perhaps was not clear to me. You thought she was? Oh, I don't. I thought she had faked those. I thought Jennifer had faked those to play on Rory. Wow. No, that was I don't that was how so. I read it. That's how I read it. I think they were real, but I mean, yeah. I'm, well, they they establish also that there is some kind of residual memory left in the flesh after that because it's the um the captain who's like. The last thing I remember, you know, is why. You can look into their eyes and you can see as they dissolve why. And, like, so I can kind of buy that, but... Well, wouldn't they know they created this thing? Wouldn't they know, like, 
is it conscious or not? Because like the the world before the beginning of this episode, they didn't create it though. I thought they found it. Uh, I I don't like see it was skipping way to the end of the, of the second episode in this thing where the people are like we're gonna fight for our rights. Like your rights as of an episode ago, because prior to that you were you were a tool and no and no one gave you any thought. And then it's not like we can it's not like you can work up much hatred for these people. Like look how horrible they are taking advantage of this flesh. They didn't even know it was conscious until like five minutes ago. You can't condemn all of humanity and their gross you know use of science to make this horrible creature because seriously it was not conscious and it was a huge problem too because at the end of the episode the doctor drops them at you know gigantocorp where all they have to do is go and say hey it's conscious and then everyone's fine like like they're leaving her in the front door Mm. to go in in the the other worker just go in there and tell them that'll make everything right i'm like wait a minute i've seen doctor who corporations don't always act you know it's it's like the corporation do they ever no but the gigantic mine acid mining corporation that's one of the good well i mean you don't know that they won't because as far as they were concerned it's like a forklift coming in and say we're not actually forklifts when we when we break don't scrap us because we're alive and they're going wait you're alive aren't weren't you a forklift like yeah five minutes ago we were but then there was lightning and now actually we're like people so i mean they're like all right i i guess so we'll be nice to you now you seem like nice people you look that exactly like enough people. for corporations to change policy on. i see it, you're, you're i see a terrible terrible version of bob the builder ahead <laughs> oh god i think actually that is bob the builder right the sentient right. Uh, oh my god it's talking scenery. The um, people. So I, I do think I, I think you guys are right in saying that one of the reasons for this episode to be there is that they wanted to have this duplicate storyline because at the end of the second episode, we discover that Amy is a forklift, right? One one of the reasons I would go with the big, <laughs> the, reason. Only reason. <laughs> the only reason, the only reason, major reason, of... maybe just the major, and to have two doctors and to have two doctors running around. That's right. And, and plus, they had a lot of acid. And they, they had extra acid, excess acid. No, the two doctors <laughs> stuff I thought was really interesting in that the doctor yeah. switched shoes. I, I thought that was going to be when, when he loses his shoes. I thought, well, they're going to use that as a way to decide which yeah. doctor is the real one. And the nice pivot to have them switch the shoes because the doctor is clever that way to see how people react. I thought that was good. And I thought the yeah. fundamental question. Well, he if, goes a little bit off the deep end in terms of like proving, you know. Right. To differentiate himself. Slamming her against the wall. Yeah, that was a little odd. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, I thought thought exploring those concepts part of it was good, but that that at the same time they had to wrap up the plot and they had to – you've got the feeling they were ticking the boxes of, well, we have to have a monster, so we'll have Jennifer turn into a monster, and we have to have this various Jeopardy, so we're going to do these things, and that, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been as exciting an episode for them to just deal with issues of identity, right? you got to have some acid in there, too. But in in the end, all the wrap-up was unsatisfying, and it felt like they were really at that point just – they they spewed some ideas out there that were kind of interesting. I thought the tone of the first episode, because it's kind of dark and weird castle and bubbly acid and stuff, I, I really enjoyed the the look and the and the feel of it but in the end they're like okay we just need to wrap up the plot so that we can get to that scene in the TARDIS where Amy disappears well speaking of that scene like they just spent two episodes on this whole heartwarming story of like it's a new consciousness let us respect it like all of life and we find out Amy is flesh and what does the doctor do oh we're melting that crap forget about the hell oh but they're people too she's wired in like at the beginning but you're right she wasn't conscious though uh, technically well, is the flesh mean... conscious or not like she's remote controlling it but if she wasn't she wasn't struck by lightning no lightning it's Duh. totally like it doesn't make sense within like is is the flesh alive or is it just something that you control? And if you think it's just a thing that you control, sure the doctor can nuke it and turn it into goop. But if it's if she had disconnected from it, 
then wouldn't that flesh be like the duplicate of Amy that would be alive and we're supposed to respect? Like, it was right after the scene where they're fighting for their rights, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. the difference is, is the difference between flesh controlled and then flesh that has basically been made into its own. It's like a robot that, you know. Bad job. Bad job establishing the rules Going of the universe. Going back to short circuit. Number five is alive. <laughs> Johnny Five and all the other robots. Yes. Johnny Five is important. The other Johnny robots Johnny Five got struck by have... lightning. Yeah. Johnny Five is alive. They didn't do a good job of establishing this. Because what about the big vat of goop? So the miner, the corporation can still use the flesh for their mining operations because it's not conscious, but only those three or four people, including the one who replaces the kid's dad, because, you know, well, hey, he's a would, well, they become kid. human, too. They're fine. Is the other yeah. part, right? Of course, <laughs> time machine radiation causes you to become solid forever. <laughs> unless you unless you're human, Amy. Unless you're Amy. <laughs> also, the, the, um, the company will have to install some um, lightning rods, though. At all their oh, yes. at all their factories, oh, they'll gosh. have to install lightning rods. That's right. They'll have to move them out of the monasteries. It, isn't it amazing too that the um, that the the flesh uh, transmission technology can travel through time, and even to the the little pocket universe uh, that's outside of our universe, they're still able to remote control Amy from there. It's some good stuff. Amazing. Powerful. There's a subtle part. I want to know if everyone noticed this, that when the flesh, the flesh doctor is uh, sacrificing himself and the real, you know, supposedly real doctor is going back on the TARDIS, he says, you know, your molecule, molecules, what's the phrase thing about your molecules might retain some memory, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, so they're setting this up so the flesh doctor reassembles himself later. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. For some You got to leave it open. Well, we need, you know, Rory always dies and the doctor always duplicates. <laughs> yes. We just need another episode with more than one doctor. I am really sad that they didn't make a duplicate Rory and kill him in this episode. <laughs> it was I mean, so if you're gonna if you're gonna kill him in every episode, you know what? Kill him in every episode. Make it a thing. Just go whole hog. All right. Well, I will say for the finale, Rory gets a spine, a little bit of one, which is nice to see. Uh, okay, so let's let's take that transition. Yes, let's I thought move forward. The, the cold open of that last episode was maybe. My favorite scene in the like entire. I, I think this episode was my favorite episode in Matt Smith's almost entire run. Pretty I much. would concur. It just it tied up a lot of stuff. It had great action. It had great pacing. The doctor, you know, like the doctor has his ups and downs. Um, you know, stuff's revealed, etc. I, I just it felt very good. It felt fun. It didn't feel like some of the other episodes were watching. It felt like a little bit of a chore. Felt like a little bit David Tennant-y, didn't? Don't you think it did? Haven't we had these well, was, episodes where David Tennant finds sweeping. out that the world's view of him is not what he likes, and he's angry about it or surprised? Well, that, but that's that's but, the Doctor, right? Like, in I know, but like oh, they I hadn't been doing. Matt of... Smith had been more of the I'm kind of wacky and trying to figure out what it means to be human, and I'm uncomfortable with other people, and I'm in an uncomfortable social situation. Like that's been the Matt Smith vibe, and this switch to the more classic Doctor vibe of like doctor's reputation and what it's like to be the last one and how his powers can be used for good and evil you know they already kind of set that up i mean i felt like the pandorica episode set up the same thing right which was everybody else building this prison to to keep him in it because he was the dangerous one yeah but he didn't he didn't agree at that point it didn't it didn't affect him at that point he was like no no you're crazy i'm not a dangerous guy whereas in this one he starts to see a little bit yeah well he destroys like a whole bunch of cybermen like right off the top right that was a little out of character for me Honestly, <laughs> it was awesome, though. <laughs> it was very awesome. But... It was very cool, but it made me think, well, if he can destroy an entire fleet of Cybermen, which 
the people who he's going to destroy are afraid of. Why does he need to pick up four other people to help him? <laughs> because it's a ragtag band of misfits. It doesn't make because any it's sense. the doctor. It's required. He picks up a nurse. It doesn't. I don't understand. So, well, it's also this thing like you know. He's just killed legions upon le- – or sorry, the 12th legion, right? 12th cyber legion. He's just destroyed pretty much all of it. The rumor gets around and he's – is he approaching stealthily? He doesn't know where they're at. Uh, and then he gets there and they don't shed a drop of blood. That's what the uh, the uh, dinosaur lady says. And um, Cash, whatever it is. And, uh, and the whole point of him having a success there is that he didn't actually kill anybody. Other people killed other people. But they didn't kill anybody to take over – uh, <clears throat> uh, Devil's Run, but um, Demons Run. Except for all those Cybermen. Demons Run. I'm sorry, but but after killing the Cybermen, I guess they're not quite. There's no blood when the Cybermen. Yeah, they weren't. Died. The Cybermen weren't stuck by lightning. Uh, okay. They're not actually alive. But so I mean, who cares about Cybermen? Killing them is a blessing for them. Delete uh, one tier. When it comes to the Doctor, though, I mean, I think there is a very big shift between the Matt Smith of earlier episodes, which is. Matt Smith basically realizes that one of his companions, one of his, you know, pets has basically been taken away from him. And God, you know, God help everybody in their path when the doctor goes on the warpath because someone has basically messed with his humans. Well, I think the the theme that Stephen Moffat has been building up to for his whole run, and certainly this year, is um, encapsulated in those moments where... Uh, he discovers first off there's a funny line where he talks about how the word doctor um our word doctor is from him meaning what it means uh which is something that Stephen Moffat there's a there's a link that's yeah, going that around was a great link to him posting on Records Doctor Who in 1995 with that concept and he finally recycled it into an actual Doctor Who episode but the the fact that the people of the Gamma Forest the word doctor means warrior that that's what Stephen Moffat I think has been leading up to, and 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 his whole thrust with this is almost taking the Russell Davis approach to to the Doctor as this warrior and the oncoming storm and the person that everybody in, across the universe fears, and confronting it and saying, is this what the Doctor would want to be? Does he want to be known as a great warrior? Because the answer is no, but that's sort of what he's become. So I think in one way, this is all about kind of questioning the fundamental premise of what the show's become, because I suspect where he's trying to take this is a place where the Doctor isn't isn't like that anymore, and he's more vulnerable, and he's back to being more of a, a wanderer rather than this guy who can summon armies with the snap of his fingers. He should go back to being a wanderer after all his companions die tragically. I'd be up for that. Speaking of the oncoming storm thing that Jason mentioned, where, you know, the the the, uh, the doctor is a big force and the, you know, you've to- taken one of my pets slash loved ones things that Ren mentioned. Well, I recall on an earlier podcast about Doctor Who, about this very season, someone assured me that the early episode with Doctor Who, uh, with, with the Doctor and Rory, was trying to settle once and for all that Rory and Amy are together and the Doctor is not a threat. And yet here we are in the very last episode before a break. And what do they do? Same they have an thing. Entire, scene, entire scene with a, with a long, drawn-out attempt at misdirection, which is so feeble because at this point you always know anytime they're going in that direction, it's a fake-out of saying, oh, you know, the person I'm is coming for me is very old, but he looks young, and you can't stop him, and blah, 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 and it totally sounds like it's the doctor, but it's not. It's stupid Rory again. 
Oh, but he's a badass in this episode, and that's great. He finally gets a chance to be. I'm just saying, I was I was made promises, and look what happened. I liked that setup. You know what? I I will speak in I, favor. I do too, because we knew yeah. it was a feint. When they do it now, we know they're being ridiculous. Oh, that's the excuse now. You said they were not doing this anymore. They were putting the issue to bed. They wouldn't keep bringing it up because it was so great. No, I, I don't think that. But I don't think it's in terms of him being a rival for her affections at all, because we see the fact that she is like. There is no question of it. It's just the fact that she's you the father, think it's going to be a father of my child, and that's supposed to be a misdirect. Supposed to be, no, oh, it was. I don't think it was. I actually think it's. I think they're I, playing with the notion they've done so much of this. We know he's not a rival for the affection. We know something's going on, and we're like, why is she saying these things? Because this can't be right. And it set up this crazy. Like for me, there was this cognitive dissonance and tension, which is then relieved when you're like, oh, of course, I should have seen that. Because if we actually listened to what she was saying, we'd know she didn't mean the doctor. When they brought up the father of my child thing, I think it was going back to the whole notion that, uh, you know, well, the, the doctor must be the father. I knew it all along because they, they say a series of things that you can dismiss. But then they say the father of my child is like, how can that be the doctor? Oh, it must be the doctor. I'm going to disagree with you because I think we're I, supposed to know that. We're all supposed to be loyal fans and get the facts different. But but I will tell you, I don't think there's any Doctor Who episode in which I liked the, the line. I have a statement and a question, and it was just like oh, that was badass. Do I need oh, to repeat the question? I mean, oh that my was god! <laughs> well, just his look. Oh. When he said that. And I was I, like, you oh, know, this I, guy can act. I said in an earlier podcast about this that I really, I really like Rory, and I really wanted him to get a chance to develop and to have him stop dying every five minutes. And I feel like they finally gave him an opportunity, and they gave him something to do, and he gets to be like the centurion, and he gets to kick some ass, and you know, take some names, and I think, and still gets to be, like, there's something very secure about him and Amy more in this episode than in any of the prior ones, and I do think it's because they dismissed that question of the idea of the love triangle. Like, you see them as a family, and you see that the Doctor has affection for all of them as a family unit, um, and that but really He still does the thing where he tells him. the Doctor to stop hugging her. I'm telling you, like, maybe you guys don't want to see it, but it's there. No, actually, it is absolutely they, well, he, there. there's jealousy there, and, and, and let's, let's not forget that at the end of this episode, he discovers that not only... Um, is he ha- is he jealous of the doctor because Amy is interested in the doctor, but he's also now uh, his daughter and the doctor have a relationship. See, right? I want to so, see how that plays so, out so because that, that could go. They could do but, something very funny. I with agree. That. I yes. agree to, with John to a point, but I think they are playing with it now because the funny thing about that scene where he hugs her is that the doctor asks for permission, and then and then Rory says that's enough, and the doctor's like very well. Like they've got some rules about it, and Rory's in charge, and Rory gets to say I'm no longer comfortable, and and they kind of it's kind of playful, and I like that because if it had just been the way it was, that would be tiresome. But I feel like they're they're actually you get the sense that they've they figured it all out, and now it's more of a joke. It was always Rory's insecurity. It wasn't like the doctor. They right. never made it seem like the doctor had any feelings for her, really. No. Like he, the doctor never expressed that. It was just kind of a side thing. It was always Rory's insecurity with the situation. And the fact that his insecurity still seems to exist, even at this point, even sure. after the episode where he was a badass, it's. I, I just think I would like to leave that behind. I think- Badasses can have insecurities. I think that's yeah. It's I feel like it's one line balanced against all of his badassery. He's not the doctor, right? As bad a badass as he is, he's never going to be the doctor, and I think that's always there. But at the same time, you, you know, we've moved on enough that we have we can have fun with it, and we can have funny lines like when they ask about uh, when the baby was conceived, and the doctor has to say it's human. It's basically it's gross human stuff. I don't want to think about it. That you know, I'm I'm not a human. I don't want to know what they're doing in there. I we, I don't ask. They don't put up a balloon or anything. I don't ask. 
I want to get past the relationship stuff and say like, you know, this we've had. Uh, I, I want to talk about some characters because we've had so much was blown open. One of the great things about this episode that we should talk about is all of these rich characters that get thrown into the plot who we've never seen before and yet appear to have been poured right out of some parallel universe where they're all in their own TV shows. Well, I mean, I think one of, that's one of the great devices in this episode is that idea that that the Doctor has all these like these the debts basically. Like, because you see him always get involved in these situations to the point where, you know, like, he helps somebody out and they decide they're going to change or whatever. And you then, you know, we walk away from those guys a lot of times. But I love the idea that, of course, he's been around 900 years, right? He's got a lot of favors he can call in. And I appreciated that it's – they're not all characters that we've seen in the last two seasons, too, where it's like if, – it would be very easy to just let's, you know, call back to all of the hijinks and adventures that we've had since Stephen Moffat took over the show. But instead, they go with Like the end of time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But no, I appreciate that there's they build a wider world and these characters who we really don't see all that much of get very quickly fleshed out and detailed. And you know exactly like the the Silurian and her maid. Like you know exactly what's going on there. No, let's 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 say it right. Lesbian Silurian Victorian. <laughs> Lesbian but, Silurian Victorian, is that what we just said? Yes. That's what Jason just said. Uh, apparently they've been clamoring for a uh spin-off series and they solve crimes and the way they did it the vision that the the expansiveness that the show can have where they cut from outer space in the future to victorian london and a horse-drawn carriage in the fog and a hooded figure gets out and what we discover is she's a silurian she just ate jack the ripper i mean and the tardis is here to pick her up and and off you go and it's just such a great – and then throughout the episode, the interplay that those two characters have and the interaction with the other characters. Oh, my God. Just yeah. great, uh, along with some nice little naughty references like what – you know, involving her tongue. Um, I, I want to watch the show called Commander Strax RN. Like that's <laughs> – I'm, I'm like totally – Best into that use ever. of the Santarans ever. Yeah. I like the fact that the guy they get to play him is the guy who plays pretty much every Santaran in the last two years. They have two. They have two it's guys required. who played Santarans. They all look very similar, don't they? Well, they're clones, right? So, yeah. Right. Right. The blue guy was pretty good, too. I love that he's a nurse because that's a great I, – I love the dynamic with him when he first – we introduced him and he goes into that tent and, like, he's trying to help the kid or whatever – and, you know, it's right. a strange sort of bedside manner, but it's somehow reassuring right. take, take at the same aspirin, time. Take two aspirin, call me in the morning, don't do too much exertion right now, and then because perhaps when you're, you when you're older, <laughs> I will kill you on the field of battle. He's very dedicated to his punishment. Yeah. Because at yes. the end, you know, he's like, I was only a nurse, and he's talking to Rory, who, of course, yeah. was a only a nurse. <laughs> oh, and he dies, and he says, I'm, I, I, I've long looked forward to dying in the battlefield. It's not as good as I thought it would be. He was also ready to nurse that baby, too. Someone just mentioned the blue guy. We all love Dor- Dorian oh, Maldovar. He appeared in an earlier episode, right? He did. He's a he Sydney did. Greenstreet. He is a Sydney Greenstreet. Yes. And, yes. and, and River bought a uh, bought a oh, it's uh, the time more the vortex manipulator. Vortex manipulator. That's right. Fresh off the wrist of a time uh, uh, was time a time agent. cop. Time agent. Time agent. Time agent. Uh, I said like off the wrist. Yeah. No. There. There yes. were. Um, that he's a exactly. he's a funny character who sadly appears to have been beheaded by the headless. I'm just ones. like that. I'm old. I'm fat. I'm blue. And I'm like, well, two of those things describe the TARDIS. Are they being funny? <laughs> something you can't have two wide blue things. <laughs> exactly. Something borrowed. Something blue. I thought that might have been a callback. I should throw out Lorna Bucket too, who is not one of the people that he picks up, and yet is a character who is 
definitely got that history with a doctor well, where she sees him as a child and basically is pursuing him so that she can, you know, see him again, which she doesn't then promptly dies. Well, how did how did the clerics go from being good guys to bad guys from last season to this season? I don't know if they were ever were good guys. I'm not sure if they were. They, they remember they took her out and they were sort of River was sort of their prisoner. But also keep right. in mind, we may be seeing them in the wrong order, just like we're seeing River in the wrong order. Do, do you remember point. the line he said? He said, he said, we're here to, we said, we're here to something and not, not, don't praise him. We're here to capture him or what was the line or fight him or something. And he said, praising costs a lot more. And I'm like, oh, they're mercenaries. They're mercenaries. And we don't yeah. know what Madame Kovarian, uh, also known as Lady Eyepatch, um, is what she wants and who she's working for. If she is working for somebody, that's a complete mystery. She's just sort of well, there we, to. We got the idea that she's the there. For, isn't? Didn't we get the idea that you know it's basically all of his enemies? Yeah, they like, want to create together. a time lord. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. They want to use it as a weapon. She was just like big military industrial complex woman. If I had my own time lord as a weapon, think of what I could do. Right. You know, I got blah, the impression blah, blah. that it was actually like sort of a like everybody who the doctor had pissed off was like, we're scared of him, so we need something to band together and combat him with. And so it would be great if we had our own Time Lord. We I couldn't lock him up in a box, so instead we're going to build our own. Yeah, I do applaud them for not bringing out D the Daleks at all. DIY Time Lord. She's, she's an agent of the Acid Corporation. <laughs> no, but they're good. Oh, I feel so is that, disappointed. Uh, is that no. A period, C period, I period, D period. We don't know what it stands uh, for. Yet. Like Spectre. Yeah. The the, the, he destroyed their profit margins when he took away the flesh. Right. Stock tanked. They want revenge. They had leftover flesh and they used that from Amy and the baby. Now how how about a chilling um scene in a in a, oh my a family God. TV show where the baby melts? Yeah, that was pretty freaky. <laughs> and although beautifully I, I really liked that we suddenly are seeing the world from the baby's perspective as the uh, as the eye patch lady appears over Amy's shoulder and you can actually see the baby looking at the eye patch lady. Uh I thought that was really well done that 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 they did that just as we've seen it with Amy before the baby melts into a pile of goo. I think I wasn't paying. I was so engaged. I did not think about it and didn't really see it coming. And there was definitely a jaw drop like moment where I was like, Oh, that's not yeah, good. Cause, because the yeah. eye patch lady says, um, wakey, wakey basically to the baby. And then the baby turns into goo. So they're obviously unplugged the baby. It's, it's great strategy when you accomplish a remarkable military victory, uh, like the battle of Agincourt without spilling any of your own blood and so forth. And then you're like, okay, off you go. Then we don't need to hear from or interview any of you to find out what's going on. You just go off on your way with whatever you happen to have with you. And we'll just stay here with the base, the, yeah. the, the base and examine things just like what? Just get out. Runaway. I don't know who you are, but Colonel Runaway. Colonel Runaway. <laughs> I love that scene. It reminded me of the uh, the Princess Bride. Well, that's a little bit at the end. Yeah, there but that the... yeah. that's also the Doctor losing it for like. The, oh yeah. The most I think we've ever seen him completely lose it. That that's that moment that he's he's he, what well, he says. Oh, this is anger. Hmm. You know, that he's well, he gets, I mean, not just that, but it's vindictive too, yeah. right? Yeah. Me and that's. I think that's the point, right? That's the side of him that everybody else is seeing. Yeah. That they need to be afraid of because it, you could imagine him very easily losing his grip, right? You know, if, for example, something happened to Amy and Rory and he was left on his own, like, you wouldn't have a tempering influence and it would just kind of be a force. So, so, so River Song, um, but I, I'll, I'll first point out that in our first Flash podcast, Glenn said, My thinking is River Song is Amy Pond's child. And that somehow she got crossed in the time stream there so that she has Time Lord regeneration powers, well, which, which, which well, the they, silence was tapping. She's the a time head. 
right? That's what, that's what that's exactly. what he yeah, says. That's she she sort of like sor- absorbed the fetus has absorbed the energy of the time vortex from right. the TARDIS. Bravo, Glenn Fleischman. Uh, well you. spotted. But um, what I thought was really interesting is as we're about to get these revelations, um, there's that moment where she says, you know, the baby was made as a weapon against to kill the doctor or against the doctor. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, you were in storm cage for having killed somebody. And we saw the doctor get killed by a, you know, masked figure in the first episode. And well, if I spacesuit, that was a small, yeah, who was a child, part yeah. time Lord. And I think about, and then you put those together and it's like, well, you know, just because we know river and we like her and we've seen the, who the baby is and all of that doesn't mean they don't succeed. Right. And in fact, maybe they do succeed. Well, and, she does. She says in the earlier season, right. I killed the best man, best man I know. Right. Yeah, right. I know yeah. this whole thing was telegraphed from the start and I'm kind of disappointed that it connected in such a straightforward way because well, as soon as river yeah. came on in, in two seasons, <laughs> Oh, if it's too confusing, you don't like it, but if it's too straightforward, <laughs> No, not too confusing just to be logical. Like, like, like you said, when she says, I killed the best man I'd ever know, we all know, like, the, the, the suggestion, the text there is she, she's hinting that she killed the doctor, right? And then we see right. a girl kill, kill, you know, him at the beginning of the season. You're like, well, that must have been yeah. River. And then we see a baby, and then the baby is a girl, and his name Melody. I mean, it's just, it's just dot, 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 dot. You know, not that I'm, it's not bad that it was a straight line, but it was definitely a straight line. I don't think it's a straight line. I think, I think this is actually his game, is that we've seen what we think is the straight line, but that the resolution of that whole, what happened on the beach thing is going to be a twist of some kind. Yeah, they could, they so. could still turn it around, I guess. But the fact that the, the baby was River was uh, was pretty well telegraphed, and that turned yes. out to be the case. Yes. So we'll see if at the yeah, end yes. they do the misdirection, like, oh, that wasn't really River, you know. I en- I enjoy the fact that that because by you know that she's part time lord explains how she kept waltzing out of prison basically <laughs> because well I mean like imagine if you lock the doctor up right like it wouldn't really take. <laughs> He would keep finding a way out. And so it's explained like, well, who is she? Why is she so good at like just breaking out of prison and, you know, so cavalier about it? One of my pet theories is that she's in prison for killing the doctor, not because she actually killed him, but because he's lying low and she's basically he's she's complicit well, and, in him faking his death. Right. And if that's the case, you know, she's serving time and yet she's also just sort of serving time when it when she feels like it, which is. But I mean, she's there. She's there voluntarily. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that says something about her as well. Yeah. She could have just been broken out and never gone back, right? Whatever it does, she clearly regrets it. She says regretfully yeah. that she she feels bad for it, whatever it is. So even if it didn't, like, if it turned out to be okay in the end, I, I don't think she knows that yet. I think she, she re- did something bad and she regrets it. We're seeing her timeline. Whether we feel she needs to be punished or she feels she needs to be seen as being punished, she do- she can get out yeah, of prison yeah. and she doesn't. And I think those are all – I think John's right, you know uh, – there's a there's a plan and 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 he's going to fill in all the boxes and they may be boxes that we figure out how, already how he's going to fill them in but um, in the end we'll know why that is the way the way she is. All right, but here's here's my complaint about it though is like the River Song thing. I'm like I'm actually I haven't looked on the webs yet because I know this exists. We talked about it in a previous podcast, but I am totally sick of this. I'm his future. He is my past. It's like no, you're not. You're you know the River Song knows both yeah. too many things from the future and the past. She has a book that apparently has everything in it, even though she's only looking well, at a particular point. No, I don't think it has everything in it. I think that uh, well, it does at times. She flips way through it because she doesn't know where she is in her own narrative. They're yeah. they're out of sync with each other, but she is not his future. Yeah, so okay. that's the ridiculous so, part. So I, I agree with you. I think I think there's a simplification going on, which is that every time she sees him, it's later, which is definitely not true because the first time we meet him, meet her, she says how he 
picked her up and gave her the super snazzy sonic screwdriver and knew that it was her last night. So obviously they don't meet entirely in sync uh, backward to forward. And he also, obviously when she's a child, he has to meet her when she's a child in some sequential set of order in order for it to make sense in her temporal, uh, you know, causal nexus. Thank you. I think there's a simplification happening here. As for her and the book, I I, I just don't think that's right. I I think that when we meet her the last time, she can flip through the whole book because she's about to die and that's the end of the story. But no, I guess, but she keeps, she's always when they sit down in the in the diner like have, we, have you met uh, the, was it Eddie the fish yet or whatever and he goes and you know they're checking us and he has a book where did he get his book well, from I don't, I, I, I don't think it's intended to be that way I think you're getting too hung, All right. too hung up on that I mean part yeah it. it's a little it's, it's complex but I think I mean the general idea holds is that they're, they're out of sync and that she's seen things that, that he hasn't seen I just said we don't live our lives in order we're never sure when we're going to see each other next and so we use the book but I think in, ten- in tendencies, I think she does tend to see stuff, you know, like she has experienced stuff that he has not yet. Right. There's a general tendency that they meet they meet opposite, but there are things that happen out of order, which is why she's so confused when she sees David Tennant and is like, all right, you know, which one are you? And and so, you know, I think it's it's I think honestly, to simplify it for the viewers, they've said basically generally they meet back to front, but that's not entirely yeah, don't case. think about that one that's too hard. Too much knowledge. Too much knowledge. I mean, no. Yeah, they they well, yes. That's that's something that only happens in the TARDIS. So so also one of the things interesting about about this whole time head thing where she's conceived in the TARDIS and so somehow she's got human DNA, but she's been exposed to the, the the time vortex. What I think from a totally kind of continuity geek standpoint, what I think is interesting is this means that they can have Alex Kingston be River Song for a while. And then they can have a completely other actress play River Song at some, presumably, if she is really the girl who's regenerating, some other actress play her at an earlier point and oh. and and actually play that story back as far back as they want to go, rather than what I thought was the case, which is they would have to resolve it quickly because Alex Kingston ages a year for every year. But now they could, they could have they could have an actress play River Song at 17, leaving Amy and Rory's house and going into the TARDIS for adventures. And they could just do that and say, well, she regenerates later. So, I, you know, I guess I guess that's where they're going with it. Related issue is that I was rewatching the uh, the Silence of the Library, the second part. Is that the second part of the Forest two? Of the and Dead. what's that? Forest the Forest of the Dead. Dead. Yeah. And I was watching the I, I wanted to go back and see what she said specifically where we, you know, review the thing where the where David Tennant doctor says, you know, my name. I would never tell my name to anybody. And she's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And then she does the selfless thing that the doctor always does, having locked him up with handcuffs because she always carries handcuffs. Well, and I realized watching it, she her consciousness is put into the computer, but there's no necessity that that's a one-way trip either. So at some level, there's a potential that he can go back to the yeah. library and download the consciousness and do something there as well. I guess Moffat, well, yeah, it'll meet, up, it'll meet up with the flesh doctor. Uh, and <laughs> exactly. Well, there you go. I think Moffat says that his intent is that that is the day she dies and she just gets to okay. live on in the afterlife of the, of the computer. There is a nice scene in, in there where she's, um, where she's tied herself in and he's handcuffed where, um, where she basically says, this would kill even you. You wouldn't regenerate. And uh, that takes on a little extra meaning now because you can read yeah. it as that means she won't either. I like that that episode also contains creepy people walking around in spacesuits. Yeah, it's all the Moffat. There's a tropes. lot of creepy people in spacesuits in Stephen Moffat shows. Yeah. We could say if we we're lucky that was foreshadowing that he thought about it that far ahead of time, but probably just probably happy. He's probably just stealing from himself yeah. again. <laughs> he does that. He's the John Cougar Mellencamp of Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
Damning <laughs> <laughs> with faint praise. Um, the the bit where he says, as soon as he realizes the baby's gone, he says to the Silurian, uh, Madame Vastra, um, he says to, she says, well, what are you going to do? And he says, it's too late. You know, it's already happened. And I'm thinking, how did he know it's already happened? He'd already put some piece of the puzzle yeah. together because he remembers seeing – he's thinking about seeing her with the silence and all that. So he knows that there's a sequence of time from yeah. there until the silence get her when it, you know, she's eight years old that that is the yeah, problem. Yeah, I think he's period. figured it all out at that point. He realizes the girl mm-hmm. was, you know, in, was with the silence, was her, and he knows that if he's going to save her – it's not going to be when she's a baby. It's going to be later because they had her earlier. I, I think that he sort of figured that out and that we will see him at a later point, um, which I think is kind of cool that, you know, that that's a, a little bit of a, a credit to the, to the viewer that the doctor's like, yeah, I get it. I'm going to go off. And we're supposed to sort of be like, oh, yeah, well, I get it now. That was her. And she- well, and let's remember that Flesh Amy told the doctor, the real doctor, that he was going to die. In uh, at the end of the two parts, yes. thinking that she was talking. Well, to the and, that, and that he and that he invited them, so he knows when and exactly where yes. that happened. Yes. So that's where the flesh doctor dies. Of course, that's the flesh doctor who gets killed at the end of the. Uh, Maybe wouldn't he have yeah. turned to white goop then and not been burned? And, no, um, because he'd been in the TARDIS. Stuff. So he was no, he's been in the TARDIS. Uh, he fixed his molecules. Know. You know, there's a plot point. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but possible. why wouldn't Flesh Amy have fixed her molecules? I'm calling it. Yes. Oh, you know, you know, I'm kind of cringing. Speaking of actually trying to twist this at the end and not make it so straightforward, I'm cringing thinking of what possible way they could try to explain the seven-year-old or ten-year-old girl who regenerates. Like, no, seriously, that's not River. There's another ten-year-old yeah. girl who regenerates and is like a time lord. And the no, like, I think that I think it's that weird. would be bad. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, that's John, the obvious thing. The only, the only speculation I've read about that would be if it was if if. River is Amy and Rory's child, and that girl is the Doctor and River's child. But I don't, Doctor and Rory's oh. child. I don't want to go there. <laughs> but that would be the other alternative, right? Awkward. Yeah. And then, and then that—that's the mother of Susan, the Doctor's granddaughter, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh my God, we're gonna come full circle. Fiftieth <laughs> anniversary. Oh, that would that would hurt my head so much. The forest episode where there's um. Uh, another forest, right? It's always the uh, the forest here, where only, he says, uh, "You know my part. name." Yeah, the only word, you, know, you know my name, and of course, uh, the baby carrier or the baby cot, the crib, um, has, has his, his name on it. it. Yeah. Yes, there's a couple different things. I realize there are two different bits of uh, Gallifreyan that they look at. One must be in the front, and one must be in the back, and presumably that might have his name on it. And if she reads Gallifreyan, which we know she does, that that may be the explanation for why she knows his name. Which we are told he does not have. However, right. Interesting. Right. So, so what did yeah. what did people think about the the reveal? Was it you know? Did you think it was well done? I liked it. It was good. In a, a, you know, obviously, it all adds up right before it, so you get to feel smart because you figured it out before. Yeah. Before they say it on screen. The only water. I, was, I like forest. feeling smart. Well, I mean that, and like the whole. I figured out the mel. You know, as soon as they said their name was Melody Pond, and we were leading up to that, I'm like, oh, switch them, and then yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like Surprise. to compare it to the reveal at the end of the last season with the with the wedding thing and the something borrowed, something blue. And I felt like I, I like it when I'm just ahead of the reveal. But in this reveal, I, I think everybody was way, 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 way ahead of it. And I was like, yeah, we know. Get on with it, River Song, right? But the something <laughs> borrowed, something blue, you were maybe like oh, man. 60 seconds ahead yeah. of it. And it feels more exciting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though that reveal was cheesier than this one, this one makes a lot more sense. Because it makes more sense and is less arbitrary, it's a, just a little bit less satisfying. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But it's still nice to have all the ends tied up. Well, yeah. at least some some of the ends tied up. And it was some it was nice that the way you know it, I thought it was nicely done where they they resolve even, the TARDIS is gone and yet somehow they're suddenly able to translate the language of the Gamma Forest. Whatever. I, it was it well, they're always sent to the TARDIS, aren't they? Once they've been in it, they're supposed to, yeah. yeah, blah residual. Time. That TARDIS boy, something, is there anything something. it can't do? No. No. It oh. can even restore the entire universe. Unlock doors. It can be a person. <laughs> it's amazing. It can be a person. But uh, you know, it was nice that that the the way it was done where it's the language of the gamma forest and it's the two sides so that it's out of sequence and and they don't have a word for pond and i mean it was nicely put together even though like john says you knew it was coming i thought i i could appreciate how it was all interlocking together i, I could also see how a, a a younger child you know someone who's younger might not pick up on all yeah. those cues and then feel very satisfied and then trick into it yeah you know, I think my only problem with it is that we had so many like flash reveals in this in this particular episode with the flesh baby and everything else. We're like, oh my god! And then this this in contrast feels so straightforward that I remember watching the like the last couple minutes of it when she's like, "I'm Melody, I'm your daughter." It, inwardly, I was cringing a little bit, but I mean, as a whole, it fits. But it did feel like it felt very heavy handed, where it's like. River, you could have just not said anything at all and just let the let the leaf, you know, the leaf pattern go over and and show her name without actually exposing on it. But that's just me. I also think there's this incredible callousness about like which of the writers, uh, people involved in the show are actually parents. Like the doctor going, "Oh, it'll be okay. I'll go take care of her." And it's like, yes. And the parents don't get to see her for some horrible number of years in which she's been captive by this hideous alien species called the Silence and all these enemies. Yeah, that's great. I'd be right. happy that my child was fine and hadn't seen her for mm. years. But he and already, she was I mean, raised by aliens. First and off, then, he's an alien, and second, he already knows that it happened, right? But the good news is he knows she's okay because here she is. Yeah, but she, she's they don't meet adult. her child. Yeah, they don't meet you know her child what? until she's you know forty or something and forty five. Uh, no, no parent. But he would can like know that. that he can go get her, but she's going to be eight or ten or whatever instead. Well, right, and they can grow up with her later. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, no, you know what? I I have a I have an excuse for that, which is for one thing, Amy didn't know she was pregnant really for the entire time she was pregnant, and Rory had no freaking clue that he had a daughter. So when you have them. You have them all all of a sudden awkwardly shown together with the baby. It's like they have no time to realize, holy crap, we made a child. This is ours. This is our baby. And then the baby explodes, so we have two minutes and then she explodes. Yes. <laughs> well I wanted to, I wanted to throw out the question of when exactly when when did flesh Amy replace real Amy? Ah, uh, before really America before is what the, the doctor yeah, says. Doctor says he says that. He says before America, but I don't. I don't know if I buy the that. answer. Is because, off camera. That is the answer. Well, no, because there is that one part right where she gets kidnapped in the 
There, I yes, mean, there's but a couple she parts sees in the, first the sliding thing before she gets yeah. kidnapped. That's why she no, goes no, but in the it was, it was, which it was is, before the beginning of the season. Yeah. Is what they're telling you. Yeah, you know, which they means they didn't want to have to show it. You know, or or they'll show it later and they'll go back yeah. to before and say, "Well, ha, it happened here." Yeah, I would have been happier if she had been kidnapped some point when they were in America. I thought they were. Yeah. Well, yes. See, at one point I went because where does she, what's that part where she disappears in the bathroom? The part where she, not not in that part. Where, where, like when they're when Rory's on the radio and he's listening to her talk. The orphanage is that right, the orphanage right. still? Yeah, yeah. But that's what I believe. But again, I, I thought she was kidnapped in the when she went in and first saw the silence in the White House bathroom, and then Jason reminded me that no, that was she said before America. So because that would have been the logical point. Her stomach's hurting. She goes in there, comes back, and she says she's pregnant, and they find out she's not pregnant. So overall, we've had this this strange seven episode half season, like this Doctor Who half season or whatever felt like an awful lot of arc and not a lot of monster of the week yeah and, it, and it, i didn't like that part of it i i think it's harder when you only have seven episodes and you've got a finale and you've got a lead into the finale and you've got a two-part opener that there wasn't a whole lot in the middle right there wasn't a lot of time hey there were there were pirates it was space pirates yeah like pirates which was like weak 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 monster of the week you know? see what happens when he does monster of the week he doesn't do it well let him do mythology yeah well i <laughs> didn't see that argument, true, but, but I, I like that about the show that it is you know that they just kind of take the tardis somewhere and there's an adventure and then the adventure is done and, and we i didn't feel like we got a lot of that we got neil gaiman's episode and we got the space pirates and yeah, like think about the ones with Donna. Donna had some good monster of the weeks where there'd be a there, it was like character development, not so much like arc plot points, but there would be right. let's develop Donna's character through like the the Mount Vesuvius thing and the Ood episodes, and Agatha there was Christie. there were arc plot points in there. Yeah, but mm. they were good standalone episodes where they mostly let you get to know the character so that what they did in the big arc episodes uh, had more effect right. and. Uh, it made more sense, you know. And Donna is an interesting character, whereas I think that Rory and yeah. Amy are not interesting. Yeah, Amy, Amy is very good looking, which saves accounts for a lot. Uh, but yeah, I, she she's is spunky. pretty much. She's funny. Yeah, she, she has. I like her. She has some personality, and her childhood segment gives her character more depth than Rory, who just appears on the scene as the the you know white Mickey and. <laughs> white white Mickey, that's what they used to call him in school. I don't want to be the metal dog. I don't want to be the tin dog. Have you ever had a, a white Mickey? Mmm, tasty. So <laughs> the you know, but I I, is that I don't code know. for something? I like Amy because she is a dominant personality and she actually you know, she actually does give give it back to the doctor like she better than he crap, does right she, right she doesn't she but donna was much more dominant than amy is so but i mean you're, but you're also dealing with 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 the 10th doctor instead of the 11th D- donna was less of a stereotype but amy is more of a typical female it's a, it's a type you've seen females play before as donna was constantly going against type it helped that donna was older and less attractive because then she could you know you she wasn't expected to be was the it, sex pot, right? It was so a different dynamic, right? You know, they, they made a whole point of them being like they were mates, right? You know, they were pals. Right. And there wasn't a romantic thing. And that, that was kind of refreshing coming off a couple seasons. And of, she was she did not admire him. It was, the, it was the big thing where most of the other companions are in awe of him or right. admire him or need them to save her. Donna did not admire him, was constantly yelling at him and <laughs> complaining about the stuff that he did. Well, I think another thing is we just really haven't had – time like there hasn't been a lot of time spent on developing rory and amy as adult characters i mean i think the closest you get is amy's choice and even that feels less like 
developing their characters as it, it's a little bit for Amy. You get a little bit before she gets married and she has the whole, well, I don't know if I want to get married. But I mean, in this season, we really haven't had anything beyond, oh, Amy was pregnant and now she's not. And uh, let's let's go worry about the fact that she's seeing people sliding in and out of walls. Yeah, she's yeah. she's a plot device. They're, they're accessories for the doctors, like handbags. Well, I think Scott's got a good point. Pets was another analogy. That it's not it's not just that that she's a she's a pet or, or an accessory, but the plot has been about Amy both years. First off, there was the whole crack in her wall and her rebooting the universe in her mind, and then this year we have the whole you know where's Amy? She's kidnapped. Where's her baby? Wow. I feel like it echoed the first half for me in that the or the first season for me of of the uh, Matt Smith in that uh, there was a lot of mixed bag in the beginning and then they sort of pull it out at the end. <laughs> because I said on one of the previous Flash, Flash podcasts, like, eh, this season's left me kind of cold. I haven't really been invested in it. And yet I thought that the finale was, you know, the best part of it. Uh, and I felt the same thing about last year with Pandorica. Really, Maybe he through. knows he does great finales. So he said, let's do two <laughs> seasons build of finales. Let's do really crappy shows leading up. Well, if you if you think about these seven episodes, what do you if, if you if you said, all right, I've got all of them on my DVR or on my iPad or wherever, and I'm going to go back and 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 relive the high points. Um, you know, are, what 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 do you do? Are there episodes ha- that you would pick to to relive? You, you and watch what would the they finale be? Honestly, you watch no, the finale I would watch again. I would watch the openers. I would watch Doctor's Wife, and then I'd skip to the Flash two parter, and then go to the end. At every single other episode this this half series has left me, you know, I, I could care less well, what, what actually happened because nothing really did. Doesn't that only leave Pirates. two episodes that you wouldn't watch then? Well, I guess because they're all two-parters, but still. Yeah. But it felt, you know, it felt like I would maybe, maybe that's the too. issue, though. I, I like the production design in the first episode. With It was more like on-location shooting. It looked more like a movie, right. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then we got back into, like, the sets and, the you know, the, the interior studio stuff, and it was it was less grand. Not, not that I really love the astronaut business as, as that much, but I did like the way it looked. They were outdoors more in real locations, and, you know. I, I agree, although I actually think the sets this season have been very good. Um, I think that I think the show has looked really good. I I do agree that it, you get that claustrophobia when when a show doesn't do lots of location shooting and the America stuff was wide open and cinematic. Because we have sun in America, it's not raining all the time. This is also the first season I think in a really long time where we didn't get any present day stuff at all, right? No, there was nothing that happened in our. You know, in the present day, basically, on they're, they're pumping acid right now offshore. You just don't know. <laughs> we have that flesh. Present, that Is that was what's going on? Day. You're was, right. That was uh, f- twenty minutes into the future, like Max Headroom. Yes, but that, I acid. mean, in previous, you know, in it's, we had some of that last year, and we had a lot of it during the Dave Ten- David Tennant run. It seemed like every every year there were at least. You know, three or four episodes that dealt with something happening in the present. No, the only stuff in the present is at the very beginning of the first episode where Amy and Rory are at home and they go to America. Remember when they used to have characters it. in the present day, like uh, like Rose's family and her friends? Like we used to keep exactly. going back there. Right. It's like his Rose's mom, you know. Russell T Davies built a whole bunch of characters in the present day and in Alterna Universe present yeah. day that were good to come back to. I mean, Russell T Davies liked his cast. <laughs> Even Moffat seemed like he was trying to do that. If you go back to the eleventh hour, there's a bunch of other people that we meet in right Ledworth, who know yeah. Amy, right? Who know Amy, and and yet none of those people I think ever really come back. Right. Her parents are dead in the first episode, Rory. and then then they're back. Amy, Amy didn't Rory. care and about them enough to reboot them into the new universe. 
<laughs> she forgot about There's like it. a whole other guy that's like sort of a love interest, right? Remember, there's like a guy with a laptop that the doctor borrows. Yeah. Who's kind of like, yeah, that's right. Guy. His mother. The guy and, who's got right. the porn on his laptop. Yeah, exactly. Which was funny, but like then that whole thing disappeared. That Those guys weren't very interesting characters compared to like Rose's father well, and mother. You saw them for one like episode. <laughs> I know, but they, they just didn't, you know. They, I they don't know. They pop. didn't seem like the actors weren't as interesting. The I'm pretty sure the I'm pretty sure the aunt turns out to be the lady with the eye patch, though. <gasps> Amy's aunt. Uh, Glenn's calling it. Glenn's calling yeah, it. Again. I call it again. Well, that's a good one, Glenn. <laughs> I think I think Prisoner Zero is Rory. <laughs> All right. Well, so in the fall, Doctor Who will be back with six more episodes. We'll be back, presumably. Disappointing episodes. Well, we'll learn. Maybe they'll be good. Oh, Scott. You know, or maybe they won't. Scott needs, a, Scott needs a hug. I do need a hug. And why was Rory <laughs> dressed as his Roman centurion? Did anybody why else think They mentioned that. Didn't they mention they, that? They, they, yeah. I said the River, doctor likes River that. calls him off on it. It's yeah, fabulous. The doctor That's likes why. it. That's just ridiculous. No, he was. If know, I were it's Rory, a, it was an if, image if, thing, right? If he was walking around dressed up as a nurse, nobody's going to take him. Like they were trying to reuse every costume and makeup effect from the past <laughs> no, two if years. You, on if you go to finale. a Cyberman fleet and and you say, uh, you know, I have a statement and a question, in plain clothes. and then in, in plain clothes, and then their whole fleet explodes, they're going to take you seriously. They're not going to say, oh, if you were wearing a cape, I'd take you seriously. <laughs> right, right, but but he's since the, you're he's not, he's playing off the whole fact that the last centurion was a known quantity, right? Like that, becomes, was a, that was a well, character. This is the timey wimey thing. Is that the last centurion has become a myth? Like the doctors become a myth, um, but nobody seemed to notice. Nobody recognized him as the last centurion. Well, they should have just shot him on sight, but that's not how Doctor Who works. We did not discuss the headless monk somehow. I don't think we should now, but I will point out. I thought they were weak. <laughs> what I don't think we should hoods? ever. That is the question. Yeah, they are stupid and ridiculous, <laughs> and we will never speak of them again. The headless monks can't hear, but we might as well talk to them. You know. Hello, headless monks. Hey, Glenn, I'm glad we didn't talk about the Headless Monks. Yeah, that was really good not talking about it. <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up our coverage of Doctor Who for this uh, half season. We'll have another half in the fall. Until then, uh, we'll resume our discussion of other topics on The Incomparable. Um, until next time, I would like to thank my Doctor Who participants. Scott McNulty, thank you for uh, bringing your, your wit and laying in the weeds until you have a moment to strike and slay us with your humor. That's right. I, I'm like a, a king cobra of humor. Glenn Fleischman, thank you for being here and giving us all your theories and guaranteeing uh, crazy future developments. Thank you, and keep watching the skies. I, of course, I never stop. Serenity Caldwell, thank you for lending your perspective to the uh, the, the frivolity. As always. Dan Morin, um, thank you for, for speaking with us as you're prepared to run out the door with a suitcase and go on vacation. Hi, Jason. I'm actually living this podcast backwards. All right, Dan Morin joins us, everybody. And John Syracusa, thank you for being here as well. I feel bigger on the inside, Jason. (laughs) 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 And on that note, thank you, everybody, for listening to The Incomparable Podcast. See you next time. I'm sorry. We're, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Were you? Were the last centurion? Were you the second to last centurion? I just. I just keep mixing. There's up. a big fan fiction opportunity here, Scott. Uh, for the, the for, second to last centurion, is that a fan fiction? Rory slash Doctor fan fiction. I just thought it was no. Oh. <laughs>
I really did like the Cybermen in this because they were like really flummoxed. Like, you know, the Daleks, the Cybermen, all these like ridiculously unearthly villains that are just too super powerful and you always want to let them just destroy everybody immediately. I did like the fact that they were like, holy crap, what's going on? And then this guy walks in and they're all just standing there and it's like, wipe that blank look off your faces. They can't. They're Cybermen. But what I... What I liked about the Cybermen in this episode is that rather than it being like there's a couple Cybermen and maybe they got a Zeppelin and they got a little plan and <laughs> Cyber King. instead maybe they're just maybe they're just having lunch they're just sitting around like we should we should have a sandwich they're they're That's true. they're like we've got a whole fleet and all we do, all these ships do is listen to stuff you you know and this is the twelfth fleet you should see our other eleven fleets right but they're like out there in space yeah, it, would, it would take the Doctor like like ten seconds to blow up our bigger fleet yeah. Instead of three seconds. Exactly. That's why he's scared. Three three minutes and 40 seconds. Right. Well, you know, and I also appreciated the fact that it was a little bit of a misdirect, right? Because for a second, I don't know, maybe it was just me, when I saw the Cybermen, I'm like, oh, crap. We are, we are seeing a, a super ultimate plan by the Cybermen. But no. No, it was just no, for no. show. That was just a throwaway. The Cybermen's plans have a really bad average of success. This is true. <laughs> so do the Daleks. <laughs> the Daleks have better success than the Cybermen. The Cybermen don't even get yeah. the... At least the Daleks like, not, enslave him at some like point. That's like second to last place him. and last place. Come on. The Daleks like <laughs> take over the galaxy and then are defeated. The Cybermen they stole, just... They stole the whole Earth. Uh, borrowed the Earth. <laughs> the Daleks get pretty far. Dan, you were going to say something. No? I was not. Dan wants to go really to the Finger not. Lakes. <laughs> I want to go on vacation. Let Is me that go. code for something? I don't. Yeah, not it's vacation. <laughs> I don't want to go to Chelsea. He wants to get a white Mickey and go to the Finger Lakes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it sounds tantalizing. Oh, Mickey. <laughs> I think we have a. Well, I think we have a type. You know, the slip. Yeah. You know, you slip somebody a Mickey. Yeah, you I put a, a little. Mickey you put something. a little milk in there. It's like a white Russian. That's a white. Put Mickey. a little, put yeah. a little bit of the flesh yeah. in there. A little white flesh. It does sound like something you get at like a speakeasy. So, so you slip a little white milk into somebody. Give me three fingers of white Mickey, please. Yeah. Neat. I'll take a headless monk and a white Mickey. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. 